0: Enjoyed this morning, haven't you? I mean that sincerely. Of course, the children are always so delightful, and uh, we enjoy all the hamming up of certain children. But I've very much enjoyed what Jason brought to us today—the chronology of God's faithfulness, of His prophecies, of His of His hope that He's given to us. I've uh, I've enjoyed the music this morning. I enjoy the reality of Advent, and let me just, without going in detail with Advent, we're we're celebrating for four weeks, and uh, for those of you that may not be familiar with a tradition called Advent, it has a dual purpose. The first two weeks, including today, is talking about the second Advent. What does that mean in everyday terms? That means we believe Jesus is coming again. The next two weeks will be the first Advent as we get into the Christmas week, of course, and celebrating the fact that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to the world that we could be redeemed. Today, as we go to God's word, in just a moment I'll ask you to turn to Ephesians. But as we lead into that reading, I I intend to be very simple today. And you'll see why I I try never to get to preach or teach over somebody's experience where they are but I'm very concerned about our times and just as the video brought out I think familiarity shows up quite often in just about everything we do and we need to be reminded of not only God's faithfulness but our role as well in the relationship that we have with God as we call ourselves Christians. If we call ourselves Christians, it's because we believe that there is a Christ and we believe that our lives are to mirror his life. You see, the longer that we serve him, if we're not careful for not staying constant in that relationship, as the video brought out, we won't see the trees anymore. We won't see the faithfulness of God. We won't be looking for his grace and his favor. With that said, I'm gonna use a more modern term today. We're in an era in which we hear quite a bit about makeovers. We've had house makeovers, and we flipped those homes. And of course, when you hear makeover, typically it takes you to our physical appearance. There's all kind of TV programs, there's all kind of websites. Certain celebrities have had makeovers. We've all seen the very comical where the old hairy middle-aged guy Wife says, I've had enough, and he gets his beard shaved off and his hair finally groomed, and it's like, oh my goodness, this is somebody I don't know. We see a lot of the videos or movies about a woman and just renewing her beauty. And so we celebrate makeovers. But today what we really got to celebrate in Christ is this. We're a new us. You're a new you. Not a makeover, but a new creation in Christ. Let it sink in again. For some, it's just like, yes, I know this, Pastor. Well, don't let familiarity keep you from embracing what that new you means today. Not just 20 years ago when you gave your life to Christ, or 30 years ago, or 5 years ago. But to each day embrace the fact that it isn't just a makeover. Salvation doesn't come just to make us a better us, it's to make us a new us. This is the hope, this is the joy, this is the incredible truth that God has for us. That we are being made anew, that everything ahead of us is brand new. Uh, As we look to the Word of God, there are certain references about being Christians from the biblical perspective. At times, we are called the children of light. At times, we are called imitators of God. Today, we had all our children in here, and we know they like imitating mom and dad, and they like to imitate certain superheroes and certain things that they're reading in their books. But you see, as my wife would have said earlier, as being childlike, we as well, even as old as we are, turn to somebody and say, you're really not all that old. You can remain childlike and be imitators of God. I'd like to just camp out here for about an hour, but we're going to move on. But imitating God, that's an incredible thought in itself, that whatever God's doing, we want to mirror it. Whatever God is saying, we want to echo it. Whatever God is, we want to be imitators of God. I wonder how good our imitation is right now. When was the last time by the last time somebody came up to you and said, you know, I thought for a moment you were God. <laughs> and then I realized you're just mimicking him, you're echoing him, you're imitating him. But for that split second, you were so godlike. You were so much like God. Wow, you see, we're uncomfortable with that. Because you think I just said that we're equal to God. That's not what I said. The Word of God says we imitate God. And if we get good at the imitation, others will, with a quick glance, believe that God actually lives. And then when they realize the amazing miracle that happens, that God is reflected in our lives and we still have feet of clay. Wow to be imitators of God, children of light, beloved children. And the next word might be the one that is the most awkward to us, as over and over and over again, throughout the New Testament, Christians are called saints. Turn to that person you didn't turn to on the other side from you and say, you're a saint. Did that feel weird? did some of you think did I really have to say that to the that person (laughs) I just had to call my wife a saint I just had to call this guy that I don't even know a saint and yet throughout the New Testament you will find that expression over and over and over and over to the saints who are in Corinth to Thessalonica to the saints so let's just wear that for just a moment because it is biblical truth and it carries to this day but we're not used to calling each other saints for many of us it's because certain religions certain dogmas and creeds have reduced sainthood to someone who once walked the earth and are now dead and have been dead long enough that we forget their human frailties and remember only the good that they did and so now we carve out marble Uh, Figures of them, and we call them saints, and we esteem them to be saints. And maybe one day after we leave this earth, maybe you and I could also be referred to as a saint. And yes, that's not the position of the Word of God at all. The Word of God is saying it while we're yet now alive upon this planet in the now. I think one of the incredible pictures of this you'll find in Revelation chapter 19, verse 8. When it's describing what you and I, if we are believers and have read the Word of God much at all, there is still yet ahead of us this thing called the marriage supper of the Lamb. And this marriage supper is a one-time deal. God is going to get married one time. And this marriage supper is still yet ahead. And it is the accumulation of all the saints throughout the generations that will assemble to become the bride of Christ and be united with God to be with God forever and ever and ever. Somebody ready to shout this morning and forever. And in this picture the Bible tells us in its expression that this bride is going to put on this beautiful white flowing linen and this linen And the Bible gives us the time to say why she will be dressed in that. Because it represents the deeds, the righteousness of the saints. In other words, what we're doing right now counts. What we're going to do tomorrow counts. What we'll do next Friday counts. What we did last week counts. When we are the righteousness of God that he's put into us, and we act out and imitate God and touch other lives and do what God would do if He was here in our place instead of us in His place, then we realize it's being recorded. And I love this thought. Every time we do one of those, one more stitch goes into that beautiful gown. And by the time this marriage supper happens, uh, that gown will be complete. As we are there and be dressed in the righteousness of God and the privilege of serving Him in our lifetimes, getting to express that at that time. So again, we're known as saints, saints of course, is because of the holiness that is in our lives. How long has it been since we've heard the term holiness and apply it to everyday living? Again, we want to take that word and put it on the shelf. And use it later on, but it belongs in the now. We are to be holy people. God says, without holiness, no one's going to see God. And so we get our minds confused with certain trends and certain traditions that go with certain dogmas and creeds again, and yet the reality comes back to God's people live holy lives. Turn to somebody and say, Amen to that. The moral purity. The spiritual wholeness. The separation. That's what saint means, is to be separated. Even though we're still in the earth, we are separated from its ways. As we live this life, we live a separated life, dedicated unto God. We live continuously being sanctified by the Holy Spirit. That means right now in this service. Sanctification's happening. Something's being renewed in us. A certain song helped us be renewed again. Tomorrow, a texting or going through the advent together. All these things constantly doing its work to sanctify us. Again, we're reminded of the tabernacle. We're reminded of the temple. And we see that labor and those priests coming and washing. Every time they were going to go back into the holy place, they had to wash again. They had to wash again. Multiple times in any day. That's the image of you and I. Every day getting washed. That's why we're to pray without ceasing, right? Amen. Every time we just whisper the name of Jesus, there's another washing. Every time we open up His Word, there's another washing. Every time we recite the Word of God, there's another washing. Every time we just meditate upon His goodness, there's another washing. All these things sanctifying us. How many has learned that if you don't bathe regularly, you're going to stink? How many have learned that even wearing the same garment of clothes and not doing anything that causes you to perspire excessively or to get dirty and crawl around and and get dirt on you. How many knows by just wearing it day after day that eventually it becomes dirty? Even though it didn't come in a single act, there was these things that attach. There's things that soil. So it is with our lives. This old world will contaminate us. We have to get washed. This sanctification that is ongoing again. Why? Because we're called the saints of God. John wrote this, 1 John chapter 3, when he said simply this, and once again, by this time he's aged, and he said, little children, walk in the light so that you won't, that you won't sin against God. And if you do, there's an advocate. Here's where the line really comes down, and some of you are going to have to take a big breath on this, because whatever circles you grew up in, if you grew up in church, sometimes we hear the expression, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. That's not good enough. There's a difference of being a sinner saved by grace and a saint. Because when you hold on to a tradition of I'm just a sinner, see, that's where you need to just put the pause for a minute, then you'll grasp what it's really doing to you. Well, I'm just a sinner. Oh, I'm saved by grace. In other words, it's like a cloak that just says, whatever I'm doing right now doesn't really count because I'm saved by grace, but I'm a sinner. Then you're taking your position, your image, just let everybody know I'm a sinner. Is that really the image we want? Is that really what we're pursuing? Or is it not far grander to say I'm a saint? Now, the Bible never takes the position to say that saints don't sin. The difference is in the motivation. The saint says, I am a child of the light, and I'm following in that light. I'm walking in that light. I'm meditating upon. My focus is on him, not the sin that I may get involved in today. Come on, somebody. See the difference. These are the things that corrupt. These are the things that have infiltrated. These are the things, again, I'm I'm astonished of the level of tolerance that we've accepted in lifestyles and just say, well, I'm a Christian, I just happen to do this and this. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. Pastor, you're not going to be real popular with this kind of preaching. You see, in reality, we know that we need help. And God sent a Savior. But he not only saved us, he redeemed us and sanctified us and glorified us and separated us so that we can walk in the light, that we can be imitators of God, that we can live a victorious life. Isn't it wonderful to know that you've been set free? Somebody shout in the house. Many times our minds go to the addictions to drugs or alcohol or whatever. And if you have lived that life and you now are free from that, you're still rejoicing so much. Many would say, I've been to my meeting and I can say, I'm 25 years I've been clean. 30 years I've been clean. And see, it's a badge of honor that these individuals get to wear. But that same truth carries over to us. In fact, whether or not drugs and alcohol have been a part of our life, we have been set free from sin. Amen. Yes. And now he's given us a way to live victorious over sin because sin is going to keep knocking at the door. Oh, this is good preaching. It's where we live. If you, if you just take I'm a sinner saved by grace, then you, what you're saying is there's not really my, what my, my God can't do anything about this anymore. I'm bound to this thing. And when this life is over, he'll clean me up and I get to stay with him. And I have to live this way. Bound to this sin. He set us free. Turn to somebody and say, he set me free. How do I know that? The Bible says, I'm set free indeed. You see, that puts that that strength in that instead of just saying, well, I'm free and there's a hesitation. No, there's an exclamation point. I'm free indeed because he did it. I couldn't do it for myself. Therefore, I imitate him. I emulate him. I live for him. I want him washing me. I want him steering me and guiding me and shining light into my path so I know where to walk. So what does it look like? I'm glad you asked. Ephesians chapter 4. Why don't you stand for the reading of God's word? There's so much here, but he's talking about this new life. I'm going to pick up at verse 22. When he says, put off... Your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Now again... There's that pause right there. And there's the next word in verse 25 says, therefore. In other words, what we usually say today is, I said all that to say this. So we, again, you're standing, I know. I preach better if you stand, by the way. Look at it. The privilege that he's given us, but our stewardship to it, we have to put off the old self. Not glorify, well, I'm just a sinner. Saved by grace. No, put off the old self. That means I'm no longer attached to it. I no longer have to continue in that sin. I wonder how many are here say, you know what, the sin that's been in my life has been prevalent in generations in my family. We might call it a generational curse. And someone else has come along with it, and if it's a generational curse, there's nothing you can do about it. No, there's not anything you can do about it, but he did everything about it. And sets us free. Our responsibility is put off the old man. Yeah. I'm no longer going to glorify you, old man. I'm no longer going to talk about you, old man, because you're dead. I have not only put off the old man, I've replaced it with a new man. Yeah. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Look at what he says here. Now listen, this is where we, we got to really do an in- inspection Because if we're not careful, we allow these things to creep back in our life. He says, therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And give no opportunity to the devil. I'm going to say that one again. And give no opportunity to the devil. Give no opportunity to the devil. Well, you know, I've just can't. give no opportunity for the devil. Amen. Let the thief no longer steal. Well, you know that's what I've been doing for a long time. Don't do it anymore. But rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Look real close here, folks. be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Just close your eyes where you're standing. Thank you for your word. Let it speak to us in such newness and freshness. Let it do its perfect work in me and let me evaluate where I am right now. If I have put off the old man, put on the new man, and yet these things are being exhibited in my life, there's something wrong. I repent of my sin, Lord. And I ask you once again to remove that from me. Only you can do that. I want to honor you in all that I do. I want to live a life of holiness. I want to live a life of purity. I want to live a life of edification to build others. Lord, help me not to live beneath the privileges and the promises of God. Do a work in me. Sanctify me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Thank you for setting me free. Thank you for revealing to me and convicting me. Thank you for not condemning me, but convicting me that I may walk in the light, that I may live above these things and not have to make excuses, but to live in victory, to be free, to be free indeed, to be made whole, to have the joy of my salvation, of your salvation in my life, to have a joy that keeps me and sustains me strengthens me day to day. Thank you for the privilege of growing in the knowledge of my Lord. Thank you for washing me and making me clean again. Thank you for separating me and causing me to see you for who you really are. Thank you for the privilege of bearing your name. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me so much. That you paid the price that I made me made whole. Thank you, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Remain standing. I'm going to close. I intended to preach more. I just, maybe in this moment, maybe this is new for someone. Maybe, maybe you were afraid of a moment like this. But it's moments like these, again, where he does his greatest work to restore to us the joy of the salvation of God in our life. For many of us to, once again, to feel clean in his presence and not be ashamed. I'm a pastor. I hear story after story after story. Things that have come into people's lives and now it's been there and we hid it for so long but it's so ingrained now it's starting to be revealed. Others say there was a time I just couldn't wait to get to the house of God or to open up my Bible but I don't feel worthy to do that anymore. You see, something's been wrong. Well, I guess I just have to accept it, but we don't. He can set us free. He gives us the privilege of repentance. Again, I know you're standing, but bear with me. Even in the constant contact, those of you following Grace Life through the Advent season, the devotion given this day, if you haven't read it yet, speaks about the power of hope and reminds us that those in former times, if they had murdered someone innocently, just an accident happened, If they could find a city of refuge, they would run to the city of refuge. And if they could get inside its walls, the avenger couldn't enter. They were safe inside the walls of the city of refuge. You see, it was their only hope. I've got to get to that place. You see, that's exactly who Jesus is. He's not only our redemption. He's not only our sanctification. He's our hope. He's our hope. You got to run to Him. He's the rock of our salvation. He's the strong tower. In Him we're safe. In Him we have hope. He's the hope of glory, the Bible says. Again, let this just marinate in your spirit right now. I am convinced one of the curses of this day is somebody sold us a bill of goods that's rotten to the core that says we just have to tolerate the sin in our life. No, you don't. You can't fix it. Only the blood of Jesus can set you free from the tyranny of sin. We can't just get caught up in. well, if you Christians would just back off that stuff And just tell your nice little Christmas story once a year. And just dress up once a week real nice and go to church. Everything will be fine. But you see, everything won't be fine. We need a God. Can you imagine him being any other kind of God? What if God was just hateful and mean and nasty? And we were afraid to go to him. But that's not the case. He's a loving God. That's why, even the difference of being called a saved sinner or a saint, even the saint, if they've once again fallen sin, the Bible says, but there's an advocate. In other words, I'm not glorifying. I mean, how many times have we been there? We brag about our sin to somebody. We've allowed, matter of fact, if you'll go on, as Paul was writing in Ephesians, you'll find what we now know is the fifth chapter. It'll talk about, don't do coarse jokes. Vulgar. These things are just creep in our life, and now it's like, well, I'm a Christian. I can tell this dirty joke. Why do you want to tell that dirty joke? Well, it makes me more popular around the guys. Does it? Does it? No, I want to embrace this word saint. The world may not understand for a while when I call them, They may think, oh, uh, uh, who are you? But the word of God says I'm a saint. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Because it says I can fall in love with God and want to be just like him. As we encourage one another, we can call each other saints. In other words, we're not saying we've been perfected yet, but we're striving. To be more like him. John put it this way. Less of me, more of him. For those of you who's never heard that verse, it's pretty simple math and physics. If I only have X amount of space in my life, and 100% of it's been to the devil and to me alone, and I take out 20% of that, that's 20% room for God to start a work in my life. And I realized that's the best 20% of my being. I'm going to take out 10 more percent. He can fill in that. You see, it doesn't take long to say, you know what? Why am I, why am I going through this in increments? I want you to have all of me. Yes, amen. Let me get out of the way. God, take this temple and fill it with your presence. Take this temple, this body, and fill it with your goodness and your love and your joy and your peace. Let me be just like you. And where the old self had about that much tolerance and just took somebody's head off for even looking at me wrong, I don't have to be that person anymore. I can share the love of God to where it even astounds them. Well, you used to take my head off. Yeah, that was the old self. You're looking at a brand new me. Amen. Oh, you've had a makeover. Oh, no, no, no. Better than that. I put off the old man. Now be careful how you say it next one. I put off the old woman. That'll get you in trouble. I put off the old self. And what's incredible in God is he didn't just leave me empty. He said there's a brand new you you can put on. A brand new you. Not a made over. Because underneath that makeup, there's still wrinkles and the old stuff. But a brand new you. A new creation in Christ. On this day, O Lord, we stand in your presence. And your word once again has gone forth. And your word in itself. Is so alive, full of life, full of breath, and it has been breathed into us once again. And we don't have to be afraid of passages like what's been read this day, but realize that we can embrace that we don't want to be who we once were and try to make excuse that, well, it just looks different, but I'm actually doing what I've always done. No, thank you for the privilege that you are our redemption, our salvation. You're our sanctification. You're our righteousness. And you're our hope. Thank you, Jesus.